Welcome on in to another episode of Outdoor Adventures here on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, FM 103.5, and the Radio app. The Governor's Deer Opener is here, and we have the man in charge, Kudak, Mike Coldfront Curry. Uh, he, he won't admit it, but he is kind of the, the main guy up here. He gets everything, and I don't know how many miles he put on his sneakers here last night, but uh, he's still going here today. Well, you know, everybody calls him Coldfront. I call him Cold Dogs Curry, because every time I see him, it's a blizzard or snowing or raining or, you know, but he, you know, he does a good job. And I laugh because I watched him walk around yesterday. I think I lost three pounds. Just, wa- just, watch just watching him. Just yeah. watching him, I think I lost three pounds. Well, I put on, uh, I think, close to 14,000 steps yesterday. Wow. It's insanity. But I, I don't believe I sat down from... 12:30 until 8 o'clock last night, and just constantly, you know, around here. You know, there's a lot going on. There's all the activities, the hands-on events, the archery in the schools program, the Bill Hessegrave on the butchering. Uh, we had uh, uh, Indian traditions. They were doing their drum and their tobacco things, that, their traditions that they do there. Uh, there's literally just all kinds of stuff, hands-on stuff that you were could have been a part of. But decided not to. I was. Uh, um, uh, listen, uh, is that tap dancing I hear? No, I can't remember. We, I think we were doing radio yesterday, so I. Did, uh, that's I, true. I, I did walk out there and see everything, and you know what? They, you had Pat McMullen here. He had the shooting range. I mean, he had the bow and arrows. I mean, Stan, he got this idea. There's two guys up there trying to cut the slog with a big old saw, and I, he says, well, "Maybe we should do that." I says, "Yeah, right." <laughs> the old-fashioned way, the, the old, saw yeah, log. The old-fashioned way. I said, "With my back," I said, "They'd be hauling me away in an ambulance." Oh, maybe it's good exercise. No, not for me. <laughs> now, for people that haven't been here, uh, we've been here for the last few years, and uh, we thank you for inviting us back again this year. So we must be doing something right. But for somebody that hasn't been to the governor's deer opener, even if you aren't a deer hunter like myself, I haven't uh, traditionally. Uh, been a deer hunter, but you know, there's a lot of fun, a lot of camaraderie, and you can learn a lot of stuff too. You know, with the speakers, you got Commissioner Landwehr here, you got guys from the Fish and Wildlife Division, the conservation officers, you can ask them questions if you have a concern. So, I mean, just for the general public, I definitely recommend people come up and check it out. Well, absolutely. It's just a, a you know, deer hunting in, in the outdoors, it's you know, it's a tradition. In this state, like no other state, there, there. I don't believe there might be one other state that has a governor's deer hunting opener. I think it might be in Maine or somewhere out there. You know, there is a pheasant opener in the Dakotas for the governor, but for for an opener for the deer, that's unheard of. And and even though the governor uh, doesn't hunt deer, he does understand and appreciate the outdoors, and he wants to make sure that uh, people understand and love the outdoors. And and we do here in Minnesota. I mean, it's awesome. Well, you look at the crowd that we had yesterday, that the local people, the townspeople, the hockey team was here. I mean, Minnesota, I mean, it's a deer hunting state. You, you drive down the road, trucks, four-wheelers, fish houses, everybody's got their orange on. Where are they going? They're Did going you see to... the color of the, the jerseys that the hockey team had? Yeah. Yep. Blaze orange. I mean, everybody's going deer hunting. I mean, what what better fun can you have? I know... You're go, you're coming down to Onamia tonight, and there's big shindig at your hunting shack down there. So I, invi- I invited everybody from where I'm to go. Yeah, to we Curry's. have to stop in there. Oh yeah, we know how to get there. You know how to get there. The the problem is that uh, I I do have a gate and oh, I can lock it. I got a ma- I got a master keeper. Oh, the gate, don't oh, worry. Okay, I, I'm afraid of that. <laughs> yeah. No, but you, but that's part of a tradition. You know, uh, you know, having a libation around the uh, the campfire. You know, talking about uh, deer hunting 
stories and maybe some of them even might be true but it's really just you know having that good conversation around there well that deer zagged and I zigged and and uh, okay we got the one here uh, what are we gonna do with this one? Oh, we gotta get this we gotta take the deer who's gonna play that stand uh, tomorrow I mean that's that's conversation that uh, that's so much fun well and the best part is even if you don't get a deer you see the turkeys and you see the pheasants and you see the grouse and you see the birds I mean it's quietness in the woods I mean I leave my phone in the truck you know what? I go at 4.30 in the morning. I'm in my deer stand. My kid says, Dad, what are you going so early for? I said, because I get in here before anybody else is moving. I make my noise. I'm sitting down. And at quarter to seven, here comes the boys. Yeah. Making a racket. Well, they run a deer right to me. There's nothing like watching the woods wake up in the morning with exactly. the birds going through. Last year, I had a, uh, I had two squirrels within 10 minutes that came up literally face to face with me in the tree stand. One was a red squirrel. And we were literally face to face. Yeah. That had never happened to me before ever. And then a gray squirrel came in after the red squirrel 15 minutes later, face to face. And you should have seen the look on their face. <laughs> well, I well, they they saw you, yeah. Exactly. I suppose they went, geez, what did he have this morning for coffee? Uh, and I didn't bring any peanuts or any or, or with, with me, so I have no idea why uh, I was up front and personal with, with a couple of squirrels. I, I mean, years ago, I, I for two years in a row, I had a grouse that would land in a tree right next to my stand and look at me. I mean, just like, what are you doing back here? You know, and I've had, I mean, I've had turkeys come up and I've had, uh, you know, it, it's people don't understand how, how fun it is in the woods, yeah. even if you don't shoot anything. I mean, I could care less. I mean, it's nice to shoot a big buck, yeah, but if I don't shoot one, you know, hey, no big deal. I got I got a whole week out in the woods. Nobody's bothered. The phone, the phone oh. shut off. It takes me a few minutes to get there. I crawl up my deer stand, you know, strap on, take a nap. Nobody's going to bother me. Noon today, the phone gets turned off. You ain't going to find me, uh, except if uh, Kudak finds me in the woods. It's but, a uh, nice escape from reality, for sure. But really we want to talk a little bit, too, about the mentoring programs that you're kind of in charge with, with the DNR. And we chatted with a young lady here yesterday, her first hunt. Um, kind of got the buck of a lifetime, so to speak. So um, can you explain a little bit, uh, not only a little bit about her hunt and her experience, but, you know, how people like myself can get involved and you guys will show us how it's done. Yeah, because we're really changing focus right now. It was used, it was all about the kids. It was kids, 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 give them experience, and, and then they can take the next step. Well, they can't take the next step unless they have mom or dad with them. Mom and dad have the purse strings and the wallets. It's mom and dad that have the transportation going to and, to and from areas. It's mom and dad that will take the kids to that next step, but it's not the other way around. So if the kids have the passion, that's great. Mom and dad don't. It really doesn't work. So we're really focusing on adults right now. Last weekend, we just culminated a, a, you know, a, a five-day program with uh, 14 different adults where they got to go every, do everything from scouting uh, in the field. They got classroom work about deer hunting and ammunition. They went through firearm safety, literally A to Z with deer hunting. Uh, and so, uh, and then it culminated with a two-day hunt at St. Croix State Park last weekend. They were four for 14, uh, and not too bad, but there was a couple that were wounded and really, you know, developed some skills on, on you know, tracking and stuff like that. But as you well know, Chris, you can't learn to be a deer hunter in, in one weekend. No. And, or even one day. So what we're trying to do with that group, now next year there's going to be a 102 program, and we'll get them through on another hunt that uh, we're working with Three Rivers Park district and up here right now we have a 103 program with uh, with three guys or three brothers the McGillis brothers 
who literally had uh, gone through the 102 and the 10 and the 101 program, culminating with a hunt up here with Doug Applegren, who's uh, with MDHA, and he's going to well literally be a hunter host from him from afar. So we've had really intensive instruction. Then we back off a little bit on the 102s. The 103s will have the property. They're going to do their own scouting and and work it, but there'll be somebody there to support them as they're going through uh, on the land and, and working and, and trying to understand the big picture of deer hunting. So we're, we're running them through a progression over over the you know three years. And how do you encourage people to take that first step? Because not only deer hunting, but you have turkey programs and you know waterfall programs as well. Yeah, and that and that's what, one of the keys is, is to get the word out there. And, uh, the National Wild Turkey Federation uh, is is good enough to work with adult programs too, and we're trying to work with a few other uh, different groups like like the Rough Grouse Society has a, a women's program that that does the A to Z for rough grouse hunting. So it's a matter of getting the word out there and building these programs slowly because it takes a uh, it takes a community to build these things, and and we're just literally in the in the baby steps uh, uh, version of it right now. Well, here's a good one for you. Got my little grandson is seven, eight years old. So he says, Grandpa, uh, deer hunting all week? Said, yeah. Well, you know, you could take me out of school any day next week and, and go sit the deer stand with you. So I says, well, let me talk to your mother. So I talked to his mother, and I says, uh, I says whatever day is nice next week, I said, I'm going to go pick him up and take him deer hunting. She says, do you think he's going to be quiet? For five, six hours, I said, oh, yeah, I got a bag full of candy bars. I said, he'll be quiet. Oh, the, oh, yeah, the sugar rush, that's going to work. Oh, yeah, yeah. Either, either that or mashed potatoes and gravy, and he'll sit there all day and eat them. You need to have turkey with the tryptophan, then they'll, then they'll fall asleep. But that's that's the key. That's what has not happened in the past is when grandpa or grandma or mom and dad take the kids out, we, we skipped a generation in there right now. And so really what we're doing at the DNR pales in comparison is what our listeners can do by getting their kids and getting their relatives, getting the kid down the street involved. That's what, where we need to get back to the basics again. Back like the old days. Yeah, when, we when, really do. When, well, back when we were in school, when hunting season come around, there was 20 of us that weren't in school. We were hunting. And that was okay. Oh, yeah. That was okay with mom and dad. It was okay with the schools. Oh, yeah, they do. You know, you know, some know. of the northern communities, will, some of them close school. Yeah. Today, there's a lot of them. But uh, it's not it's not like the good old days. But we really do need to to, to ramp up this tradition again, and, and really we need a great appreciation for the outdoors, whether it's hunting or even if you don't hunt, you don't pull the trigger. That's okay. But you need to understand that the DNR is managing the deer. The, the DNR is helping manage the walleye population. They're they're do, helping with the grouse. But that it takes you and me and the community to, to really make it to come to fruition. And this year, I got a feeling it's going to be a record deer kill. Well, I don't know about a record, but we will probably reach back into the two, the two hundred thousand range again this year. Mike Coldfront Curry with the mentoring program here. If you'd like to get involved, uh, he's the man to get a hold of. And I want to thank you again personally, Mike, for having us up here at the Governor's Deer Opener. And you always do a fantastic job. Well, I got. I want to thank you guys because when when things were tough out there, you guys uh, stepped up and were a part of the. Uh, I believe it was the Mountain Iron, yep. uh, where we only had three radio stations. Now we get twelve, and the we've. We've, the ball is rolling right now, and it's thanks to you uh, really waving the flag out there and, well, the outdoor flag. Excellent. Mike Coldfront Curry from the DNR here on Outdoor Adventures. We will have more here from Grand Rapids at the Governor's Deer Opener right here on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, FM 103.5, and the iHeartRadio app.
We are back here on Outdoor Adventures, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, FM 103.5, and the iHeartRadio app. And having a lot of fun here at the Governor's Deer Opener. And time to talk with the Kappa, Kudak. Yep, our old buddy the Colonel. He just come and showed up to visit us over here. But uh, You know, Kudak, it's a, probably the first time you talk to a law enforcement officer when you haven't been in the back seat. Yep, so it's kind of, if, you, if you're if you having a little problem with this, just uh, you know, sitting at a table like this. Well, I think the last time I seen you were going to put handcuffs on me and throw me in the back seat. So. But it's, 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 you know. Yeah, you gotta have fun once in a while. It you know, wouldn't be the first time I was in the backseat of a squad car, so I mean, I've been there before. Now, you, of course, uh, enforce the rules and regulations out there. What are some of the maybe, con- well, Rodman Smith, by the way, we should probably mention his name because he's kind of a big shot here in the state of Minnesota, Kudak. And, uh, I mean, unfortunately, there's there's a few folks out there that don't follow the rules. So uh, what, are, what are maybe some of the more common things you run into out there? You know, some of the common things you run into is, you know, when people do shoot a deer, they get a little excited. They, you know, you're supposed to validate your tag at the site of kill, you know, so wherever you shoot it, you know, take your tag, notch, notch when you got your deer, you got the day and the sex and all that stuff. And then once you move that deer from the area, put it in a motor vehicle and you're going to transport it, you got to get that tag on there. And so make sure you tag it. And then to finish that whole process, you know, it's important that you, you call a call the number or stop by a bait store or someplace that sells a license and register that deer because registering those deer really helps our wildlife folks know how many deer are taken so they can help manage their, those populations. And those are some of the common ones where people, they get a little excited, they shoot that big buck or, or they're disappointed because it wasn't as big as they thought it was or whatnot. And, uh, uh, those are some of those common ones that people just make mistakes and forget to do. And, and it's really easy. I mean, you, you, you've got the you got the number on your tag, so you call the 800 number, and, yep. and they go through a few questions. You do what you got to do with the sex of the deer and this that. Yep. So, I mean, it's not a hard deal. I mean, half the time I put mine in the back of the truck, and I got my kids sitting in the front seat. I says, here, call this in, and by the time we, we get a mile down the road, it's already tagged, registered, yep. and we're good to go. I mean, it's not a big deal, but... Like you said, though, I've seen many people forget to put tags on the deer. They drag that thing a mile and a half out of the woods, they put it in a truck, and down the road they go, and I'm shaking my head going, yeah, you could get a ticket there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, so, and that's, you know, the the putting the tag on it, you know, you don't have to put it on until they transport it, so if you do shoot it in the bush and you got to drag it out, the tag doesn't get ripped off or something like that. So some people, when they shoot it like that and they're in the bush and they got to pull it out, they forget to put the tag on it. So just just remember to put it on before you transport it in a motor vehicle. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Like you said, you drag it behind a four-wheeler, putting it whatever, or dragging it out of the woods the old school way, but nobody does that anymore that I know. They all got four-wheelers or side-by-sides, but... But when you get it to your vehicle, put your tag on it. Yep. I mean, it's, you know, slot it, cut it, and tag it, and you know, it'd be legal. I mean, it's gonna save you a big headache. And I know we have some new things too with the CWD. Yep. They're talking, um, you know, certain areas you're in. You have to do some special things as well. Um, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So there's there's basically three areas. Well, three and a half areas, I guess, that you need to have concern for. So there's three areas of the state that have. Uh, our surveillance zone, so in the first two days of the firearms deer season here, you shoot a deer, uh, you have to have, go uh, to a check station and have it have it sampled to make sure it doesn't have CWD. There's a couple of spots uh, up here in northern Minnesota, uh, all, a little uh, west of the, of the metro, and then, of course, down south where they found CWD in the wild herd. Uh, you need to go have those deer sampled before you leave. And then 
there is that endemic area uh, where they did find CWD in the wild. We're actually going to bring your deer there, and they're going to keep it uh, and test it. And once it's the once they uh, find if it doesn't have CWD, then you get to have that animal. But uh, you know, we got a great, a pretty healthy deer herd. Uh, CWD is kind of rolling across this country. I mean, it's in Missouri now. It's in Iowa. It's, of course, it's been in Wisconsin for a while. We want to keep that out of here, man, because that could that could decimate a deer herd. And so uh, helping helping us try to get a handle on if it is out in the wild, you know, if people can do their part and just run by those surveillance areas and get them checked out, that'd be great. Is there any zones where you can't use deer set? Somebody said something there. I thought I yeah, can't, I can't so Yeah, so down, uh, down in that area that's endemic where they did find the CWD, you can't use any type of attractants at all, and that includes... Uh, mineral blocks which would be legal anywhere and includes just in that area you can't use the deer urine or anything like that yeah somebody somebody was telling me about that and i thought well i didn't hear that one but now i got the man, the man in charge i can ask him about that <laughs> yeah and i'm guessing too you probably have a lot of instances where maybe it's a land order or even a citizen maybe sees somebody out there you get a lot of calls as far as trespassing stuff like that you know we, get, we do get some trespass complaints uh and uh you know uh we will get calls on our turning poachers line about people trespassing and you know a lot of times it's people that uh either shoot a deer and they're tracking it into somebody else's property and and they don't quite understand those trespass laws they figure if they got a deer that's wounded they can go in there you know and retrieve it but you know you do have to go get permission from that landowner if you're tracking a deer into somebody else's posted private property so that's one of the common ones where people just don't quite understand that they need permission even if they're just tracking a deer so you know uh if the landowner isn't going to let you do it you know give one of our conservation officers a call and we'll, we'll get in contact with the landowner because we don't want a wounded deer or a dead deer laying out there so uh, well that's we'll what i was going to ask i mean what happens you know you shoot the deer it runs you know a quarter mile onto somebody else's property you don't have yeah. permission there then you know you don't want that wasted animal yeah you know that's that's a tough thing as well i'm sure you're probably a good uh guy to get a hold of to kind yeah. of be that mediator in the middle to be that mediator make and, and, you know because sometimes people you know uh have been burned in the past where somebody will say yeah, I, yeah i'm tracking a deer can i go through your property and i'll yeah, go ahead and then they uh, get out of a truck with you know four or five guys and they make a drive through their property so that people have been burned in the past so you know if you, if you do if you are tracking one and you run across the landowner that doesn't want you in there, just give a local CEO a call and they'll come out and, and give you a hand. Yeah, and that, that's a good advice because you know, I've had guys come across my property and they said they, they shot a deer and, and, you know, I knew them, so I, I let them go. But there's other people out there that will say, no, get out of here. I mean, it, it, but, you know, it's a smart idea to give one of the DNR guys a call, though. Come on, help me. I mean, back years ago when I had Lock and Par, I shot one of the DNR guy. He, he amazed me. He got down on his hands and knees, and we crawled and crawled and crawled and crawled. My God, we didn't find that deer. But, I mean, he, he went above and over his job when we found that deer. He was a, he was a nice guy. He worked at it. But, you know, that's what you guys like to do. Yeah. That's so why we got into the business. Yep, yeah, that's right. That's that's a good good deal for people. Just give you a call and, and get the job done. Talking with CEO Officer Rodman Smith here at the Governor's Deer Opener in Grand Rapids. And I'm sure there's a lot of behind-the-scenes <laughs> stuff, the paperwork stuff. Probably isn't the, the most fun, but, uh, you know, how, how does that incorporate into your day-to-day -day operations? Well, 
you know, paperwork makes the world go around in any business that you're in, right? I mean, there's paperwork with just about anything yeah. nowadays. But, you know, it's, it's you know, for my personal job, I do a lot of it. But, you know, our COs in the field, uh, we've done a good job of uh, getting into the 21st century here. And they all have computers now, and they can do a lot of that stuff electronically, right? And their squad cars, I mean, their squad cars are equipped with computers and printers and everything nowadays and they can get a lot of that stuff done right in the field and you know people want permits or whatnot our officers now can type things into computers and print out permits and give them to people right there and i think it makes it makes it a lot better for folks if they want something i mean it's instantaneous as soon as they get a hold of the co they can get what they need how many new deer decoys did you get for this year uh, new deer decoys, uh, we got a few. You got some uh, really good ones with the tail twitch and the heads, oh, and the heads move got, and the eyes blinking, you we know? Got, we got, they run across the road, they do all kinds of things nowadays. <laughs> you just never know if it's a decoy or not. Oh, I laughed. I was going, going out to the hunting woods here with my kid many years ago, and back where we were at, we had some poacher problems with the DNR at a nice decoy sitting there while a deer run out in front of my suburban, hit the brakes of my hot socket button on the floor of my Suburban, and it's not a little hot chocolate, but it's a 64 ounce or yeah. big one. So I pulled in the neighbor's driveway in my driveway and took my floor mat, and I rinsed it and dumped it out. I backed up, and there's this deer sitting there. Yeah, head moving and this and that. My son says, and he's probably, I don't know, 16, 17. Dad, look at that big buck. Yeah, that's a nice one, isn't it? I said, you see them little reflectors back there in the woods? What? I says, see that little reflection back there? He says, yeah. I says, that's a DNR decoy. He says, you're kidding me. I says, no. I says, that's a decoy. I says, I, I says, when I come out, oh, that night, I said, they were just putting it up over there. I said, they're parked over there. I says, I'll guarantee you they're going to nail somebody. By God, about two hours later, they did nail yeah. somebody shooting on private property. And we laughed. Well, it's a good tool because when people do have people, you know, driving by and, and shooting on their private property, oh, you, you know, they, people can call a local CEO and we'll go out there and we got a couple of different tools to make sure that that comes to an end. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, what they've done so much with them, your decoys, it's amazing. It is cool. Yeah. And that's going to do it here with uh, Rodman Smith, uh, CEO here with the Department of Natural Resources. Thank you for your time and of course we always have a lot of fun with you up here at the uh, Governor's Deer Opener as well. I know you cuffed and stuffed Kuduk here last year. So we'll have to figure something out here yet before you go. Oh, it's a long morning. we got plenty of time. Well, he's got his taser on him, and I'm going to stay far away from him because you'll have yeah, the next, that next idea. Me too. I've, I've heard bad things, and it doesn't sound yeah, like it feels too good. They, so. They're not fun. No. So they we'll hurt. continue on here on Outdoor Adventures live from the Governor's Deer Opener here at Grand Rapids on Twin Cities Newstock, AM 1130, FM 103.5, and the iHeartRadio app. Into the second half of Outdoor Adventures on Twin Cities Newstalk, AM 1130, FM 103.5, and the iHeartRadio app. Continuing here at the Governor's Deer Opener in Grand Rapids, Kuduk, and we got our good friend John Edmond with the uh, Tourism Department here in the state of Minnesota. So he gets to go out and have fun and do all the, all the fun stuff like this. I, I'm the tourism guy. Somebody was introducing me as a commissioner. I was like, no, I, I, I'm not a commissioner. He said, what are you? He said, I said, well, I'm technically I'm a director. He said, you want to be called a director? I said, 
No, I'm just a tourism guy. You know, just, 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 that's all I am. Which is better, director or commissioner, right? No, I'd rather be the director. I want to stay under the radar a little bit in terms of the politics because tourism is a fun industry and we're all about just promotion and talking about all the great things there are to do in, in our state. Now, we've been talking, of course, a lot of hunting and fishing here uh, at the deer opener here in the Grand Rapids, but you guys do it all. I mean, you got the X Games, you got you know hockey day in minnesota stuff like that so the, not just on the outdoor side but you have a lot of other things you well, deal they, with too the outdoors is big that's why people come to our states our natural resources our rivers our lakes our forests our opportunity for incredible habitat and opportunities for hunting big part of our tourism economy and so that'll always be sort of our bread and butter but there's also a lot of big events going on and small events you've got jesse jane days blueberry festival but big events we had the Ryder cup we had the x games this last summer uh, we've got uh, the Super Bowl coming up. We've got the Final Four, which is really all those big events is kind of putting Minnesota on a national stage as never before. And, and uh, when we were talking, we got the, the deal in St. Cloud, the big hockey deal going. Hockey day in Minnesota. Yeah. And they had the mayor, I believe it was, from St. Cloud on, and they were talking about they're having it over by Lake George. By, yep. That's going to be unbelievable. You ain't going to be able to get in that town with what's well, going on. Well, it's a on. celebration of, you know, what makes Minnesota unique. Hockey is definitely part of our tradition. It's, it's hockey day. We are the state of hockey. Yep. And it's celebrated not just on a on a professional level, but on a local level uh, all throughout Minnesota. And so it's kind of fun to bring that out. And, and you know, if you need celebrate. somebody to do radio there, me and Stan will probably we'll, we'll, for we'll, we'll, we'll come okay. over for hockey day. Yeah, all we right. can probably handle that one, you know. But Kudak, he likes to get in a little trouble up there in St. Claude, I hear. Well, I'm going to put my hockey skates on. I'm going to go play with them guys. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that myself. Yeah, we'll be carrying Kudak out on a stretcher, it sounds like. Yeah. So well, keep it tuned here. We'll have that on Outdoor Adventures for sure. <laughs> More than likely. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, you, you're, you, John, you're doing a very good job with what you do for the state of Minnesota with the tourism deal. You've been, well, we've been interviewing for, what, three or four years now, and every year you, you always got something going. Well, it's a labor of love. I mean, I was born and raised in this state. I know this state. I've, I've traveled all. I've vacationed in this state my whole life. And even when I travel internationally and I come back to Minnesota, I'm so fortunate to be able to be born in this state, to have the kind of resources we have, and to have a job where I can tell people about it. So. And, and, you know, we were talking with some, some gals last night that, uh, you know, they were from Duluth, moved to Alaska, they're back in Minnesota. Right. And, you know, uh, we're, we're doing this thing um, tied to the Super Bowl called My Bold North. People should go to MyBoldNorth.com or Explore Minnesota. Every week for 52 weeks leading from the last Super Bowl to this Super Bowl, there's a video of someone, a famous Minnesotan, talking about what they know and love about the state. And some of these people were born here, went to New York, came back. I mean, you have everyone from, the, you know, the sports celebrities, the Allen Pages, the Zach Parisi's talking about it. But you also have movie stars, Steve Zahn. Um, you've got uh, chefs. You've got orchestra leaders. You've got uh, newscasters. It's just amazing how many people talk about this state about the fact that they kind of almost didn't realize what we had until they moved and then they came back and realized, wow, this is a great place to live. Well, you know, I've been to 
other states, and I, 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 I would never leave Minnesota to go, go live in a southern state. I mean, I like my four seasons. I like a little bit of snow. I like to go ice fishing. I like the, you know, the, the spring and fall. I mean, Minnesota's got everything. You might oh, get yeah. some mosquitoes and this and that, but, you know. But you have four seasons. Things will change. You don't like it. Just, that, just well, hang around for that, a little bit. That's Things exactly right. I mean, you, you drive 100 miles up north, you got snow here. I got no snow at home. Yeah. You know, it was raining when we left yesterday morning. Yeah, every, every season's different. Every part of the state is different. We have an incredible variety. We have a variety of activities, variety of habitat, variety of hunting opportunities. And that's what, what makes us such a unique attraction. We yep. probably got the easiest job in the world, this uh, John Edmund here. I have the, the best job, actually. Yeah, I get to promote, promote the state. I know. What are we doing to get people from not only just the surrounding states, but, you know, the Floridians, the Texans, to come up here and experience what they can't experience in their state? Well, what we're trying to do is go a little bit farther than we've gone before. We're trying to go beyond just the surrounding states. We're going into places like Chicago, Kansas City, Denver. We're talking about the uniqueness of our state. What people really know us about is our natural resources and we're trying to really build on that plus there's a lot of things that people are surprised to discover in terms of the arts and the culture and the sports we're doing a lot of work with media uh, we're actually doing a lot of international marketing not necessarily you know paid advertising but working with tour operators and with media in places overseas destinations like Japan Germany UK Scandinavian countries and one of our big markets is China right now because the Chinese travel they're looking for a unique, authentic destination that's a real America, not necessarily just the Floridas or the Las Vegas or New York, which maybe they've been to. They want to really discover America. You know, when we have people from China here and, and, and they come here, yes, we could sell shopping, we could sell them all of America, but when they get to places like Grand Rapids, or they get places like Cap Togama or Malax, they're amazed at the vastness of it. They're, they're amazed at the natural resources, the, uh, the, the water, the, the forest. They don't have anything like that in their country. And so that's a real plus in how we want to sell our state as well. And what, uh, like the Super Bowl we got coming, uh, do you guys got jockets for them, but like a tour bus to take people to show them other parts yeah, of Yeah, we're state? trying to organize some fam tours for the media um, and trying to, to, to take the fan, take advantage of the fact that they're here and talk about the things that are going on beyond the Super Bowl. You know, the Super Bowl, big event, a lot of people coming, uh, a lot of celebrities, but to me, it's, it's that opportunity to tell our story that's important, more so than the tickets that are sold, because they're going to sell regardless of what I do or not. Well, if you remember back years ago when John Madden used to do the, you know, drive his bus here because he would never fly. You know where he would end up? North end of Mille Lacs with his bus and he'd be ice fishing. Yeah. That's then, where John Madden would always come. He'd come up to the Red Door and he'd go ice fishing. He'd have a big turkey dinner or whatever he was doing and he'd go ice fishing. That's the kind of thing we got to do. We got to tell people that are coming here for the Super Bowl all the other things that we do. I mean, there, yeah, there's, especially that time of year, there's all kinds of stuff. Well, it's kind of interesting, too, having a Super Bowl in a cold weather destination like this. You don't normally have that. Yeah. But, uh, but, but that's kind of what makes us unique and we're, we're not going to run away from it. We're going to embrace it. We're going to tell our story about it. 
Good, you, you got the Mississippi River right there. I mean, you know, Mississippi River is interesting too because when I talk about international tourism promotion, people don't necessarily know about where Minnesota is, somewhere between New York and LA, and they can't quite figure it out. But you tell them we're at the land where the headwaters of the Mississippi River starts, they all know, oh, I know that. You know, it's, it's Mississippi River is internationally known. And the Mississippi is probably the best fishing waters we have in the whole state. People don't realize that. No, they don't. And I mean, I grew up fishing the Mississippi River from the Coon Rapids Dam all the way down to downtown Minneapolis when I was a kid. I mean, we, and you catch any, any fish you want. You catch a walleye, you catch a bullhead, you catch a sheephead, buskies, they got everything in that river. Yeah, well, we had the fishing opener last year in St. Cloud on the Mississippi River, first time on the river, and that was a good chance to tell that story. And people people don't understand what they got right in the heart. If people down in the cities, they don't understand that. I know, it's so in their own backyard. It's they don't right what they have. I mean, what are some, what are some, besides the Super Bowl, but what are some <laughs> other uh, maybe bigger events uh, people listening that they can get involved with here uh, coming up in the next few months? Well, there is an event going on in any community in Minnesota just about every weekend. You can go to our website and, and click in the events and find out a local event, a local festival, a winter activity, uh, a winter event. And that's actually what we tried to really promote last year, and we're going to continue to promote this year, that there's something happening in Minnesota. Whether it's big or small events, there's some activity for people to get out and explore and celebrate you know, the uniqueness of our culture. And so events almost every weekend of the year. You can definitely find something to do every day, every weekend, every year here in the great state of Minnesota, Explore Minnesota Tourism. John Edmund joining us here on Outdoor Adventures. One more segment to go here at Kuduk, and we'll wrap things up here from the Governor's Deer Opener soon on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, FM 103.5, and the iHeartRadio app. Segment of Outdoor Adventures here on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, FM 103.5, and the iHeartRadio app. Had a great time up here at the Governor's Deer Opener, and not only deer hunting here in the state of Minnesota, Kudak, but we're just kind of going to get the big picture from our friend Paul Thielander. He uh, kind of manages all the fish and all the wildlife in this great state, and uh, welcome, Paul. And uh, just kind of give some of those people an insight on kind of some of the day-to-day things you do to continue all these traditions here in the state. Okay. Well, good morning, guys. It's great to be here uh, in Grand Rapids. Like you said, it's um, part of deer country up here. There's lots of anticipation about the opener tomorrow. Um, they got some snow on the ground here so they can see better out in the woods. And lots of people are really anticipating, um, I think, a good season this year. I, I think, you know, we we got we had snow down in Malacca, but, uh, you know, it's gone now. Hopefully we're going to get some tonight or tomorrow, but i like to see some snow, but if it don't come, it don't come. You just got to watch that much more and, you know, be on your toes. But they got more, a lot more snow here, and I got I got I was talking to Curry there a little while ago. I said, I think we're going to have a, a, a good good year of deer hunting this year because there sure is a lot of them around. Yeah, there are lots of deer. And if you look back, just the past few years, we've had three mild winters in a row, and that's helped deer survival be really good through winter. They've been productive, and we've been very conservative with regulations recently, try to build deer number up from some fear winters a few, a few winters back. And uh, now we've got a good, healthy population across the state. So I think hunters in general are going to see plenty of deer and, and do well. Now, are, are the, are we, besides deer hunting, 
uh, how's the pheasant population? Do you do you keep an eye on that? Some well, people say yeah. it's down. Some people say you know. I mean, up by me, I see a lot of pheasants. Sure. I mean, I, it, it, you know, every year it seems like up in our area we're getting more and more and more. Sure. Yeah, it's kind of variable depending on where you go. Um, I think overall in general it's down some from before. We, simply because we got fewer habitat acres because we lost quite a few CRP lands. You know, over the, the last year, just lands that have expired that have been permanent cover for years now will go back into production. So, but their spots are going to have good pheasant populations. You mentioned one of them near where you live. It sounds like so. If people are selected by where they hunt, do some scouting. Um, yeah, there can be some good pheasant to be had. Yeah, what what's uh, what's what's what do you got new coming up, and what what should what should we be looking for? What's what's the big push for next year? Um, well, I mean, see what kind of winter we have. That's always a question with deer. Is like, what's the winter going to be like? Are we going to get lots of snow? Are we going to be tough on deer? Are we going to have a nice easy winter like we had the last few? And that we don't know till you know we get around the next April or thereabouts. But so if we have a, another easy winter, then we're going to have continued abundant deer populations next year. And okay, I've been asked this question I don't know how many times. You got zone one. There's one sixteen. You got zone one on this side, zone two on that side. Across the, across the highway, you can hunt for three weeks. Yep. My zone, you can hunt. Sunday or Saturday to Sunday, and you're you're done. Nine days versus sixteen. Yeah. Yep. So, your question is why is the line there? Well, <laughs> when, when when would the would the state ever say okay, we're gonna leave you guys open up for three weeks and you know we're gonna statewide say okay statewide everybody well, get it. Traditionally, you know the the portion part of the states had the longer season, the sixteen day season. Um, in the areas that are more transition where there's less portion cover, and then when you get further west more ag we've always had shorter seasons there um, you know it's easier to get the desired deer harvest in fewer days when there's less cover out there if you think back you know a number of years we used to have a zone four season the far western side of the yeah. state and that was like two days to open with then a week then a break and then four days later the next weekend of the monday and tuesday and and uh, we did some analysis of seasons and we expanded the zone two to cover all what used to be zone four and that seems to be pretty well accepted by most people but i'm not sure we'd ever go to 16 days in those areas i think we'd probably i think most hunters are pretty happy and landlords are pretty happy with the nine days um, but if you're looking for more opportunity you can always go across the line and hunt in zone one as well well yeah i've, I've done that many times okay okay so uh, my zone is is uh I could shoot either sex this year. I could shoot a buck or a doe. Okay. Okay. So I shoot a I shoot a buck. Tag that. Can I go buy a, a management tag and go hunt in zone one and shoot a doe there? If you're in a managed permit area, you could. Yes. If you've tagged a buck in the permit area you normally hunt in and you've bought a bonus permit, you could go into one of those managed areas of the red ones on the map. And you could kill an antlerous deer and one of those. So I could areas. shoot actually two. If I wanted to, I could shoot two deer. Okay. Yep. Somebody asked me that. I said, boy, you know what? I said, Wonders plenty for me. I really don't need to. So I, you know, I, I don't know, but I mean, there's. I've been where I've been hunting. I've been hunting here for thirty some years, and we've got more deer over there now than I've seen in years. I mean, okay, so you're gonna you're gonna see plenty of deer on the on the opener coming up. Then. Well, last year I had probably fifteen or twenty in front of my deer stand, and there were does and fawns and small bucks. I I waited till like Thursday or Friday before I did shoot a shoot an eight pointer. And, okay, but. I mean, yeah, it's, it doesn't get much hunting pressure. I'm on a river over there, and I mean, it's uh, 
Yeah. There are a lot of animals around. Yeah, well, good. Sounds like you got a great place to hunt, and you're going to have some success. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a nice area. Talking with uh, Paul Thielander here of the uh, Department of Natural Resources, the uh, Wildlife Section Chief. Uh, going forward uh, to continue this tradition, not only with the deer hunting, but the waterfowl and the pheasants and the grouse and all that. Um, what are some of the things the state's doing to protect the lands? And also, it sounds like uh, they're they're looking to maybe gain more property as well as far as wildlife management areas and stuff like that. Yeah, we um, in Minnesota, I, <clears throat> we're blessed with public land. We have 1.3 million acres of wildlife management areas in the state and about 1,440 different units. Um, so that provides a lot of habitat for wildlife. It also provides a lot of hunting opportunity for hunters. And we do have an active land acquisition program. Um, we're acquiring land every year. Uh, I think in recent years we've acquired about an average of six to 8,000 acres of new WMAs, mainly in the western side of the state and the prairie areas of the state where we've got the least amount of wildlife land areas and habitat. So a very active program that provides that public land base, which not only provides habitat for wildlife, and hunting opportunity it also provides um, areas that uh, provide clean water for people to drink. You know, it, it filters um, runoff from the landscape and, and helps with clean water and, and uh, you know, reduce the soil erosion. And, and the wetland areas provide water storage. So there's lots of benefits of it just before, besides recreation. And I'm guessing that'll probably help with the, with the pheasants. Um, I know in my area, uh, it's, it's farm country where I grew up, and uh, it's a big industry of course but yeah. now with the buffer zones I, I i went and drove through the back roads down there here a couple of weeks ago just to look around and looks like it's going to be some pretty nice habitat for a lot of wildlife out there yeah those buffer acres add up to a lot of acres collectively and, and yeah, how many acres is, is that going to add i guess i'm not sure enough to look it up i don't know exactly okay. but it's a lot of acres when you, when you pull them all together they're fairly narrow strips you know they're 50 foot wide on public waters public public rivers but um yeah, collectively it contributes a lot of additional habitat. What can what can the general public like myself do to help you know protect the land and uh, also the wildlife? You know, you, you hear a lot of people. I live in the cities. You know, I, I was just talking to a lady here a few weeks ago, and she said, "Oh, we have all these deer back here. It's so beautiful." She goes, "But but I'm afraid I'm afraid they're going to have one of those city hunts." And, they're going to shoot that big buck that I like. So how, how do you make people like that uh, understand the reasons behind that? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's part of its education. You know, is that we can only have so many deer in, in certain places. So we, when we don't have public hunting opportunity in those urban areas, we have to have some means to control deer population because they can cause damage and lots of car collisions in the Twin Cities and you know, damage to property, shrubbery, flowers, different things, and it just gets to be too many. So we have to have means of controlling them. That's not easy if you can't have hunting. And where do people get more education? Do you guys got stuff on the website? Yeah, there's stuff on our website. Yeah, you can look at lots of things about deer on our website. And you also asked about how people can, can do more to help just with conservation in general and, you know, attend sportsmen's clubs meetings or MDHA meetings, get involved with your local communities through sporting, sporting groups and hunting groups and, you know, get involved legislatively, and that all makes things happen. Well, you enjoy the rest of your time here, Paul, at the Governor's Deer Opener. It's always fun, and I'm sure we'll chat with you again next year. Well, Kudak, that's uh, pretty much going to wrap things up here for the week here on Outdoor Adventures, and uh, i got to wish you a little luck because I know you need it. <laughs> oh, yeah, just so I don't fall out of a deer stand this year, I'll be good to go. You know, last year was a good one, so I'm... Uh... 
I got new stands up, and I got no more wooden steps. I put big metal ladders up to here with big double stands. You heard it here first. Even Kudak learns his lesson once in a while. So uh, we'll be back with you here next week here on Outdoor Adventures. Don't forget, you can find us anytime on the free iHeartRadio app. Just search Outdoor Adventures there. You can also find us on Facebook as well. All our past and present episodes are up there every Saturday and live here on Twin Cities News Talk every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. I'm Stan Poggle for Chris Kudak Outdoor Adventures, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, FM 103.5, and the iHeartRadio app. We'll talk to you next week.